Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, the NFL had the chance to do the right thing. I believe that the NFL was going to be on the right side of history for the first time ever. Unfortunately, the NFL did what the NFL does. The impact that they've had on Toronto FC, it, it's undeniable. I understand that you have to defend your quarterback. I understand that you just can't come out and, you know, say, well, you know, we don't want this Sean anyways. I understand. I get it. I have to do this because I have to appreciate it. Yes, and we're back. And my theme music's back, too. For any of you who listened to yesterday's episode of Ray Sports Rant, I was with Casey Stern. My little intro music started. My whole thing went on. I went to go click on my theme music, and it was gone. It was done. It was removed. But I found it, and it's back. What's going on, people? Welcome to Ray Sports Rant. My name's Ray Rout. I am a part of the Dean Blundell Network over at DeanBlundell.com. And uh, a couple of things. First of all, I fucked up this week and there will be no collaboration blog between myself and Kevin Gerard because it occurred to me like yesterday at seven o'clock that or sorry like this morning at like seven o'clock in the morning that I didn't send him the questions to answer and I wasn't gonna say do it today so I apologize there will be no collaboration we'll make it up next week it's not Kevin's fault it's mine also it's Thursday night this is airing on Friday but it's Thursday night as a lot of you know I interviewed Casey Stern on Thursday Anytime you get the opportunity to interview Casey Stern, you got to take advantage of it. I messaged Kevin. He's like, fuck it. Yeah, it's cool. So we're going to talk some shit on Thursday before the Dolphins play. So it's kind of fun. We can hear what Kevin has to say and then get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are with our Thursday night AFC East Twitter analyst, Jordan Poyer advocate. Follow him on Twitter at Kevin Gerard 13, one of the funniest guys in Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you, Mr. Kevin Gerard. Kevin, it's Thursday. It's Friday, Junior. Welcome back to the show. How are you, sir? Well, my boss watched last week's episode, and he told me it was monotone. So I really need to pick up my game because I can't get fired twice, you know? <laughs> you can't get fired twice. <laughs> Yeah, although he's a Bills fan. So oh, on Monday, I asked him, uh, we had like a meeting. And I was like, did the Bills play this weekend? I can't remember. <laughs> he put the rest of the group on mute and directed some choice words. Oh, but yeah, you... pretty good. <laughs> on a Zoom call. You brought it up on a Zoom call. Yeah. yeah well, oh, yeah. man. Well, let's let's get into it, man. Let's talk about it. Because you were on my show last week. I asked you. Give me some predictions for this game. And you said, ah, Miami might score 10 points. <laughs> you know, like it's, I think you predicted something like 40 to 10. Yeah. 41. And, uh, you know, what happened was, though, and I can, I, I, if I could speak for a second, I understand what Buffalo Bills fans are going through because uh, I cheer for an organization that 
would go down to Miami in the heat and just fucked up shit would happen. And we would have these ugly, dirty games and they would lose. So I, I feel you. Miami, I don't think people really take into consideration how difficult it is to play in a hot Miami stadium, especially when you're a cold weather stadium like Buffalo or New England or Chicago or something of that nature. But you had to be on cloud nine after uh, after that that win on Sunday. Just talk to me about it. It was ugly. It was an ugly win. Uh, I thought Tua played well. I, I didn't agree with Buffalo fans after that said they, they won despite Tua. But uh, what did you think? Tell me about the game, man. No, that's just them being salty. Oh, my God. Like, I can't believe everywhere in the world fresh meat was just aged because the salt coming off the Bills fans, all thing. I tried to be gracious. I tried. I went on Buffalo Fanatics show. I was like, Josh Allen is unbelievable, and he is, you know, like, it's, you know, they played really well. The heat, it affected both teams and all this. And it was just whatever it happens. Like I said, I told some Bills fans, like, you guys weren't going to go 17-0. and Like, you had to lose one or two. This kind of one, you're all banged up. Your defense is hurt. It's just you just lost, you know. Um, at the end of the day, your offense came in with missing one starter. And my defense came in missing two starters. And we held you to three points in the second half. That's the story, right? As for crapping on Tua, like, come on, guys. Like, they only had the the ball, like, 39 plays or something like that because the Bills' game plan was amazing. They wanted to hold and possess the ball and keep their defense off the field, and that's exactly what they did. But, uh, yeah, they've been they've been less than gracious in defeat, we'll say. Yeah, I'm going to throw it out there. They have been. And, and you're tight with a lot of Buffalo Bills fans. I'm tight with a lot of Buffalo Bills fans. Uh, frankly, that game meant nothing to me because I'm a New England Patriots fan. I was just, I mean, I was hoping for an earthquake, you know, like that was, <laughs> that was my, my, my hope. Um, and, but I'm watching that game and it just, it reminded me of an old fashioned Patriots Dolphins game where the Patriot cut would come in as a heavy favorite. It'd be hot. And it would just be a slugfest. And that's a, that to me, that's what it turned into. It turned into a slugfest. And I think that Miami won the battle in the trenches. Uh, we have talked about it this entire offseason, talking about this a or this entire season, talking about this AFC East. The, the Dolphins defense is no joke. I don't know why people believe they are. They're no joke. And Tua Tango Viola is a good quarterback. And I'm going to take a minute and go on my soapbox because I've been defending Tua last year on Buffalo Fanatics when we met for the first time and you were defending the Patriots and I was defending two and I told you to go fuck yourself. It was, you know, um, again, yeah. <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop telling me my team is good. <laughs> They're not. Um, no, but the, you know what I mean? Like the, I've always liked Tua. I don't think he's going to be a great quarterback in the sense of like, I don't think he's going to be like that top three quarterback in the NFL, but I think he's going to be, that's second tier and second tier quarterbacks win you Super Bowls. You know, look at Matthew Stafford, right? Like he's a second tier quarterback. I don't give a fuck what anybody says to me. He's a second tier quarterback and second tier quarterbacks in the right situations, having, I don't know, teams like with Waddle and Hill and having a great defense behind you, having a guy like Kostecki as your, your tight end, you're going to win games. And I think he's, I think he's solid, good to very good quarterback. Is that a fair assessment? Am I, am I saying it like, like a second tier? And I'm not saying that even, I'm trying not to sound disrespectful saying that. Like the top no. tier to me is like the Josh Allen's, Patrick Mahomes yeah, of the yeah. world. He's not in that. He doesn't yeah. have the 
uh, he doesn't have the physical ability to get to reach that realm. Um, you'd have to, there's, it's like the freaks and the mutants. And I mean that complimentary that are just like, you know, robots out there, like your Josh Allen's, your Patrick Mahomes, you know, those guys. And then you got, and then Brady, just cause he's Brady. And then there's like the big gap. Right. And then it's the, not just good, but good enough tier. So the, your Derek cars and those guys. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Like, look, the Rams went to a Super Bowl, Jared Goff, um, you know, there's countless examples of like quarterbacks making it with less than ideal uh, quarterback play or, or above average. But uh, I think it's a fair assessment. I think so far, I don't think he was in that tier last year. I think so far he's shown enough improvement to be considered, you know, uh, improved over last year for sure. I'm sure uh, being able to hold on the ball for more than the second and a half without getting his ribs caved in helps. And I'm sure that having an actual offensive coordinator with a real NFL scheme helps. And I'm sure having a head coach that's not set telling him the tunnel before games, we're trying to trade you for a sexual predator helps too. So, and then, you know, Tyreek. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's the, uh, a fair assessment. Well, I wanted to ask you about Mike McDaniel and how much of an impact he's had on not just Tua, but the entire team this year, because they just seem like a different team. There's a lot of swag coming out of Miami. There's a lot of, you know, with those players, there, there's a, a lot of, if you're a Dolphins fan, there's a lot to be happy about with that team. So I want to ask you, like, how much, because we weren't sure, right? You and I, I even had this discussion before the season about Mike McDaniel. We're like, who is he, right? Like, he was, okay, he's coming from San Francisco. He's the offensive coordinator, but he didn't call the plays. You know what I mean? Like, we knew yeah. that was that was Shanahan's offense. We've seen great coaches like Bill Belichick have terrible coaching trees. Uh, but Mike McDaniel, hey, listen, there's a lot to like about him. Uh, how much of an impact has he had on the Dolphins in just in total? I think huge. I mean, I'm always going to temper expectations because I remember thinking that Adam Gase was a great hire after his first year, and they went 10-6 and six and went to the playoffs. Um, turned out it wasn't. Um, but I like uh, so far what I see. So I think him, um, Tyree Kill, and then I think of – a signing that no one really talks about except for Dolphins fans is Taron Armstead. And you brought this like Hills, like the mouthy cheerleader guy, you know, and I mean that in a good way for Miami's perspective and Armstead's the quiet elite left tackle. They put him all alone. And when Von Miller went up against him last week, put Von Miller on a milk carton. Cause I don't know where he went. Um, he made a couple of uh, pressures from the other side. They had to move him over against uh, Greg Little or journeyman Larnell Coleman. Um, but yeah, and then Mike McDaniel, though, I think it's a new culture. I think it's a new – they've always been this defensive team for the last five years, you know what I mean? Like they win through defense and they just squeak enough offense out to win. And I think he's got – he's had shown some real balls, you know, like – He's aggressive. He's like against the Patriots. He go he goes for a fourth and seven. We, uh, you think weak Joe Philbin was calling that? Oh my God, Dave wants that. Couldn't wait to get the punter out on the field. I'm surprised he didn't punt on third downs just to get field position. All these bums that would kick a field goal and then try and Tony Sperano, RIP, and they would try and like nurse this three nothing lead for the next forty minutes. You know, <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's refreshing to have this guy who seems to put together competent offensive schemes and uh, seems to be, um, you know, he's got, he's got a bit of swagger. He's got the Yeezys. He's got the, he's getting along with the guys and uh, yeah. And he's got the big balls. Let's talk about Von Miller. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I don't think this is being talked about enough. 
And I should have brought this up with the Buffalo people yesterday, but I didn't. But I'm going to bring this up with them next week, especially after I see what happens this week against Baltimore. So on this season, Von Miller has five combined tackles and two sacks. Mm-hmm. Four of those tackles and two of those sacks came against the Rams week one. He had one tackle in Tennessee, zero tackles, zero assists, zero sacks against the Miami Dolphins. So I keep hearing about how Von Miller is this just this machine for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. But I remember when they blew out the Titans, I said to the I was on the post-game show for the hashtag sports guys, and I said, Did Von Miller play today? And I found out he had like 70% of the snaps. So I don't think that Von Miller is this machine that a lot of Buffalo fans and a lot of the Buffalo media still keep keeps bringing up to me. And I know I, maybe he'll rebuttal me, yeah, but he has one gonna, he has one tackle in two games. They're going to come back with uh, at you that with the fact that he apparently has the highest pass rush win rate percentage in the NFL right now. Now I don't know how much of that is. I was surprised when I saw he was still there because he didn't really do much against Miami, but. Um, yeah, that's currently right now he's ranked number one in that. So I guess while he's not making the plays, he's like, you know, flushing guys out of the pocket and and at least he's getting pressure on the QB. So well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Buffalo Bills fans in on something that's gonna haunt you. When the New England Patriots would lead the league in quarterback pressures, but be near the bottom in sacks was years that the Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl. You have to get home on the quarterback, not just pressure them and flush them from the pocket. Because when you play Tua, when you play Patrick Mahomes, when you play guys that are like, okay, and can come out of the pocket and throw the football, it means nothing in this NFL anymore, just flushing a guy out of the pocket. And if you think all you're going to do is flush Lamar Jackson out of the pocket, you're going to get destroyed because he's going to run all over your team. Mm-hmm. And I think that, to me, I don't care what his win rate is. If you need to get home, and he's not getting home, and hitting Tua after the play is not getting home, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, disruption versus uh, production, right? You're disrupting people, but you're not getting them down. I got into so many friendly arguments over the years because the king of this was Jerry Hughes, right? The Bills fans love Jerry Hughes because every year he's pass rush, win rate, PFF's fourth-rated edge rusher, four sacks. You know what I mean? And I always used to say no one almost makes a play like Jerry Hughes. But uh, I agree. Um, you got to get the guy to the ground. Like Miami fans, like Jalen Phillips is, is scoring really high in pass rush win rate. Guess what? He's got zero sacks right now. And he's, you know, he's almost made some plays, which is encouraging. But eventually, if you don't make those plays, you're not an impact player. No, no, you're not. And this so is a guy. Me, I, you can make an impact, sorry, I guess, but you're not a difference maker. And let's not forget, Von Miller. See, what I get a lot from Bills fans is, is Von Miller's still the player he's always been. Mm-hmm. Von Miller had double-digit sacks from 2011 till 2018 minus one year. He went 11 and a half, 18 and a half, 14, 11, 13 and a half, 10, 14 and a half. He had, he had eight sacks in 2019. Then he had four and a half, five, and now he has two on the season that came on the first game of the year. He has five tackles on the season. So he's not Von Miller from 2016 or 2012 or 2011 that Bills fans want to do. Anyways, let's let's move on. We talked Bills and Dolphins. I want to talk about the Patriots. I want to talk about Mac Jones 
yeah. looked like he's going to miss a oh, shit ton of time with that ankle God. injury. He looked like he was in a ton of pain. In a game against Baltimore that the Patriots absolutely, and I'm going to say this and I never say this, absolutely should have won. I've never watched a team shoot themselves in the foot more than the Patriots did on that Sunday. I don't know if you're able to watch that game. Every time they got back into it, they threw an interception. Every single fucking time. And I'm going to tell everybody right now, I'm not saying this is going to carry it with him the rest of his career, but Mac Jones is not away from an injury aside in his first three games was not having a good sophomore year. He didn't look good against Miami. He didn't look good the next week against the Steelers. And he, before his injury was 100% responsible for the Patriots, not winning that football game. The Patriots are not a good team. Last week we had a discussion and I said to you, where do you rank the the Dolphins and the Patriots? And you had the Dolphins on top before the season. I think you and I were in agreement that we didn't know who was going to come out in second. I think after Mac Jones injury aside, I think after what we saw in Miami and we saw in New England last week, there's a clear cut gap between number two, number one, and number three in the, AL, in the uh, AFC East. Yeah. I think after what I've seen so far, like the Bills are clearly number one. There's a good size gap, in my opinion. Um, and then there's Miami. <clears throat> and then I think there's a good size gap. And I'm struggling right now to, you can make an argument to put the Jets on the same level as the Pats right now, especially with Brian Hoyer. If he's playing quarterback for an extended time, he's not bad. But um, yeah, he is. We, <laughs> well, I'm trying to be nice again. But. Uh, He's not bad for a backup. You know what I mean? That all hope's not gone, that you might squeak one or two out. But yikes. I mean, what did he do? Did he sprain his ankle? I saw the video of him just screaming as they took him off. So it looked painful, that's for sure. Yeah, they say it's high ankle sprain, high ankle. I think tendons got torn up up top. Um, mm -hmm. I've heard different things. I've heard some rumblings. And, and again, when it comes to the Patriots, you never know what to believe right? Because there are people in the Boston media that just make shit up and then other guys run with it. And then it comes out that it was all bullshit. And then there's guys that tell the truth, but they already ran with the bullshit. So they got to retract. So you never know. But I've heard rumors that one doctor is saying he needs surgery and the Patriots are fighting it because their doctors are saying he could be back sooner. He could be back in like six weeks. Mm, I see. So, and it wouldn't surprise me if Bill Belichick walked into that room and said, Tom Brady played with a tour tore ACL yeah. and won a Super Bowl. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. John Voigt from uh Varsity Blues, you know, just put the meal <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> Take and a I, shot, Wendell. You yeah. know, um, I could see it. Yeah. How about my boy Devontae though? Yeah, he showed up. He did. He finally did show up. And I yeah. think that um I think they finally used him correctly. They he they he, throw he, up Yolo balls, just literally you just Toss up the no, ball. And that's what there. they've been trying to do. And it's, it's, and you know what, though? I'll tell you, though, there was an interception in the end zone, which was again, Mac Jones trying to force the ball to him. And that's been a problem for me this year with Jones. I'm not even blaming Adams trying to force those 50 50 balls and they're coming away as interceptions because they're not true 50 50s. You know what I mean? Like they're, they were more on the side of the defender, but they did something that I don't think Baltimore expected. And I don't know how long this would have worked, but they finally started putting them in some inside cross routes. Oh, and yeah. he yeah. used his size and used his strength, and he was eating up the defense. And I was like, man, stop trying to just throw 50-50 balls to this guy. Like, use him this way. Use him like a Julian Edelman. He'll take the punishment and keep running up yeah. the field. I think yeah. the prop, I think the problem is though, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh dude, I'm gonna say something I didn't think would ever come out of my mouth. 
and I mean this with every morsel, and I'm not saying this as a hater because I'm a fanboy of this guy. I don't know if the game... I'm really distraught about this, dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the game has passed him. I don't know if it's stubbornness. But Bill Belichick, I think, needs to go away. Even from in-game decision. First of all, his decision for offensive coordinator, the fact that they can't generate any offense, the fact that Jacoby Myers was out and Kendrick Bourne still had the lowest snap count of all the receivers because he's in the doghouse because he showed up two minutes late to a preseason game this year and that maybe he didn't have the greatest of preseason game or the greatest of camps. They put him in the Belichick doghouse, and I just... I. I've never said it before, but I'm I'm losing confidence in Bill Belichick. Yeah, I went through it. Uh, Don Shula, right? The winningest coach in NFL history. Won more games than anyone. And then eventually, I think that if it, uh, with every coach, I think that they feel the end of the line coming. And the more they feel the end coming, the more desperate they get and the more decisions that they would never have made five, six years ago, they're making now because they're just trying to just catch lightning in a bottle and win one more so that he can say, hey, I won one without Tom Brady and ride off into the sunset. He'll never say that, but I think that whether Brady's a part or not, but I think there's part of him that must irk him that that's floating around. You know what I mean? And he's getting older and he knows. So I, I really think he's he's just he's just pushing some bad buttons right now. He's pressing too much. He's got a and, – and part of the – other uh, problem that your franchise has had is this isolation that you've had, right? This culture that you created for the last 25 years was excellent, conducive for winning. But what you've done is it makes it really hard for you to hire assistant coaches. So it's just retreads of anyone that either worked under him or worked under Bill Parcells if they're still around. You know what I mean? Because that's where they all started coming from. So that's why every coach that leaves under the Belichick tree ends up failing because geez, like what kind of contacts do they have? If you're a defensive coach, if you're Matt Patricia or you're Brian Flores and you leave uh, McDaniel was McDaniels was the OC there for what? 15 years. Like yeah. I know he left for a bit, but like 15 years, basically who else do you know? So your connections aren't there. And then you're not allowed to talk to the media. You're not supposed to, it's a veil of secrecy, Right. So I, I really think his options in who he can trust and who he can uh, hire are dwindling. And now that's why you're seeing his sons on the staff and you're seeing like a special teams coach being promoted into a co-offensive coordinator. I think he's doing it out of desperation. I, I think he's taken too much on. He doesn't have a GM. He misses. He'll never say it, but it wasn't the same when Polian left and Dimitrov mm-hmm. left. And I think he's missing um, – so he, he has to take that on. Now he's taking on the offense too and the defense. It's just too much. Yeah. How did you cope with it with Shula? Because it's it's because I'm finding it very like oh, for me to come perfect. out and say it's time for Belichick to go. Like, dude, I that real that was a struggle for me. That wasn't me playing it up for entertainment value. Like, because I have been the staunch Belichick defender in the whole Brady versus Belichick debate. Like it's, mm-hmm. I actually had a moment in time where I hated Tom Brady because of the debate, because of the disrespect Bill Belichick got. But when yeah. I isolate away from that and I look at the 2022 season, I have had to cope with the fact, and I'm not saying this in a hate way, like the assholes on Twitter. I'm saying this just from a pure football purist perspective. 
Like, how do you, how did you cope with it with Shula going, you know, cause he's beloved, right? You don't yeah. want to say it. Like, how do you cope with it? At, like, cause you've gone through it. Help out Patriots fans. It's an interesting parallel too. Although obviously Bill's won more titles. I mean, Shula went to five, um, five. Yeah. He went to five Super Bowls, won two of them. Um, shit. I think he won three actually. Cause I think he won one with Baltimore, but anyways, and then you had that Marino and Shula like relationship right that inner like one after another for years it was brady and belichick brady and belichick marino shula marino shula so it's an interesting like kind of comparison for me i was too young when it happened i was like an idiot i was just like no he's gonna get it right you know um <laughs> gonna get it right and uh eventually then they removed him and it was a little softer for me because when they did remove him it was for jimmy johnson right okay i'm a big Miami. Big Miami Hurricanes fan, and like, you know, he just won the Super Bowls with the with the Cowboys a little while ago. So it was like, I was like, oh, this is oh Jimmy Johnson, mm, oh card, uh, you know. So it was still awful, but at the same time, you were kind of like hopeful, you know. Um, and then that sort of thing. So I I think it'll depend. I I understand what you're going through right now. I I didn't feel it as much back then, but I think. Who they hire next is going to be huge. I mean, if you get yourself Sean Payton or someone like super capable like that, the sting will ease a bit. Can I tell you what my exact hopes is? And it may be actually going down a trajectory that this could happen, especially if Belichick could hang on for one more year and have another disappointing season. And I don't want it, but it's almost like that rebuild piece. Mm -hmm. I have been saying for seven years that the perfect replacement for Bill Belichick, a guy who could come in and bring in, keep the Patriots way, but have a modern Patriots way, is Mike Vrabel. Vrabel, yeah. Was, yeah, I knew you were you know, he didn't. He, he didn't learn how to coach from Belichick. You know what I mean? Like he, I don't, like Mario always says to me, well, Vrabel's from the Belichick tree. I'm like, but he was a player. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he got tendencies from Belichick, but he learned how to coach under different people. He learned under Bill O'Brien, who of course mm -hmm. was a, a Bill Belichick disciple. But I said, Vrabel's a little bit different. Vrabel's a bit more, Belichick has never been a player's guy. Vrabel's a player's coach, but mm -hmm. he's got that hard edge to him as well. But he understands winning. He's a good coach. He understands the Patriots way. So I think he could come in because I would hate for like, not this guy in particular because he wouldn't not at his age but well actually we've had him before but like i wouldn't want a pete carroll type of player guy coming in right now because he's just not like that would be too much of a culture shock for me in the in new england yeah. right like i think vrabel would be the perfect tra transition to bring in the patriots way bring in a bring in that thought like that same winning mentality but have a modern twist on it yeah i like that i like that he was He's not, yeah, he's a very good head coach. I think he misses Mike Malarkey a lot, but, um, uh, which was ironic. Mike Malarkey was that NFL tight end. He's that NFL linebacker. It was a good pairing. But um, I think that uh, that's a good call because he's a run the ball kind of guy. He's a defensive kind of guy. Um, yeah, I can, he's, you can tell he wants his teams to play like New England did, but, you know, with, like you said, in a more player friendly environment. So I think that's, uh, that's a really good call. I like that. And I think that there's teams, and I think even after Belichick leaves, I think there's still enough cachet on New England just because it's New England. Because a lot of yeah. these kids now all grew up watching New England dominate the league. I think there's enough cachet with a guy like Vrabel there that you could attract some of those free agents that maybe right now we're looking like 
dude, you're an asshole to Belichick and you don't have Tom Brady. I'm not mm-hmm. signing with you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm going to go play with Brady or I'm going to go play with Josh Allen and Sean McDermott. You can be an asshole when you got Brady on the field, but yeah. it, it's, you're not going to, you're not going to treat me like, a, like, like I'm worthless when you got fucking Mac Jones or Brian Hoyer out there playing quarterback. Yeah. No, it'd be good. It'd be a change. Like you said, a change of culture, but at the same time, a bit of a nod to the old plus Boston's a, a, a sports town, right? It's got yeah. a bit of, it's got a mystique to it. Because most of these guys growing up there, they all play like do, like two sports, right? Whether they're yeah. playing baseball, whether they're playing basketball, it's Celtics, it's Red Sox. So like Boston just has that uh, that you know that aura to it. It's like there's Boston, you know. It's no matter what sport you're in, they're they're winning probably. So we didn't get into the Jets. So. We'll wait till next week for that, even though actually I got a lot of good things to say, and we'll see what happens this yeah. week when they play. Who the Jets play? Ball? No, uh, they play Baltimore. No, they already beat no. Baltimore. They already played yeah. Baltimore. They, be, they, uh, they, be, they uh, The Baltimore Bills play Baltimore this weekend. Yeah, All right. But let me – I want to go back to Adam Gase because you said you thought Adam Gase was a good pick. Yeah. And I understand – I want to erase what happened in New York. I want to just look at what happened in Miami. What if he had Tua? Like, what if he had Tua instead of Tannehill? No, it's no. His thing is, he was he has he was the offensive version of Flores, but like to a less like he was a lesser coach. His Flores was pretty good, but they both had a fatal flaw, and that was their arrogance. That was their. I got to this position by doing things this way, and no matter who is on the team, I'm going to jam this square peg into this round hole. And that's kind of like what Gase was. And my fault, my problem with Gase is he never took accountability for anything. Nothing was ever his fault. And players hear this and, you know, you lose the locker room quick. And I think that's what happened. They got lucky, I think, because they got, um, you know, Jay Ajayi went on that kind of magical run. Um, And then they were 10 and six. And then, Tannehill got hurt for the year at the end, so they got blown out in the playoffs. But it's like, oh, well, that was Matt Moore, so there was hope for the next year, right? But they caught on to his offense pretty quick, which was um, either run run first down, run second down, wide receiver screen to Jarvis Landry, or it, uh, you know, and, and it got stale real quick. And I think his never taking, like he would publicly say, like, nothing wrong with the scheme or the plays. The players just need to execute. Like he can't say that, you know? So yeah. that, that at least, was his, at least downfall. At least Belichick says have to coach better, play better, do everything better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He, yeah exactly. <laughs> everything sucked from the yeah, coaches on. Yeah. So Gase just he couldn't he just couldn't make and then the defense would be on the field and Gase wouldn't even pay attention. He'd literally go sit on the bench with his iPad and start drawing up plays or whatever, whatever new wide receiver screen he could draw up for Landry. Yeah. So like he couldn't uh, he wouldn't even watch when the defense was on the field. That's not a head coach. That's an offensive coordinator. Yeah, in a coach's position. Uh, we got to yeah. get out of here. You got a game to watch because it is Thursday, people. Don't forget. I know it's Friday. Uh, let's get the prediction really quickly, though, so that we can people can hear now how right or wrong you were. What happens tonight slash last night, depending when you're listening to the podcast? Yeah. Who I'm wins? Going, I'm going Bengals 31-17. Oh wow! Uh, I'm actually taking the I'm actually taking the Dolphins to go four zero tonight. <laughs> Oof. Uh, it's a short week. Uh, traditionally, road teams on Thursday night football do not fare well. 
Miami's probably their players are a little banged up from that big, uh, big battle with Buffalo, especially on defense playing like 93 plays. Um, some, you know, Waddle's a little banged up Tua's is a little banged up. Armstead's a little banged up. Like they're supposed to play, but we'll see. And then the other thing too, is they, um, they had their, their schedules a little off and I don't care who you are or, or how much money you make or how professional you are. They got to be wondering about what's going on back home uh with the hurricane like just yeah. ravaging the coast right so and especially if i had a you know five million dollar mansion i'd be wondering if it's going underwater right now too yeah uh miami's gonna hit joe burrow 75 times tonight and probably uh put him into a thing Tua is gonna get another concussion and fake a back injury and that's just the way it's gonna go gotta hit the music though i gotta go you gotta go i gotta go dude tell the people where they can find you find me at twitter at kevin gerard 13 you can also find Kevin here every Thursday on Race Sports Ran at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, except today's Friday. But we record every Thursday at the very least. You find him here every week. And uh, except for this week, because I'm an idiot, but I promise we'll be back next week. We also collaborate on a blog every Thursday over at the Dean Blundell Network at DeanBlundell.com. Guys, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Find it Spotify, Apple Podcasts. All that kind of place and DeanBlundell.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at DPN underscore Ray. Follow the uh, network's Twitter account at DeanBlundellNet. And uh, with all that being said, never forget, you're all legit, kid. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.